You know, it is interesting how we use our voice and our volume uh, to communicate meaning and significance. Isn't that right? Uh, it's not just our voice, though, as our uh, current neighborhoods are filled with lines of cars honking their horns for various reasons. It is, uh, has that just been my neighborhood? Have you had lines of cars honking horns in your neighborhood? That's been going on a lot over the last few months in my neighborhood to celebrate birthdays and graduations, or just teachers driving through the neighborhood to let students know they're still out there and they're thinking about them. Uh, and of course, if we're watching a sporting match of some kind and something exciting happens, we show our enthusiasm by raising our voice and, and shouting, huzzah, right? Isn't that what we, no, you know, whatever it is that you yell at, at whatever match that you might be attending. But then there are times when the voice has to drop and it would be odd or inappropriate to be talking very loudly. Imagine the quiet restaurant the candles flickering on the table, how out of place it would seem for loud talking and communication, which is why historically it's been a spot for breakups uh, for couples who don't want to have a scene, uh, you know, or imagine a movie theater. I know, we only can imagine them. You know, imagine sitting at a movie theater and at the beginning they always have the little commercial that comes on and tries to shame you into turning your phone off or not talking during the movie. And why is this? Because there's a time to speak up and make your voice heard, and there's a time to be quiet or more reserved. Well, in the ancient Near East, the time in which the book of Proverbs was written, there was almost no time uh, for women in that culture to be loud and boisterous in public. And yet, in this text this morning, this is exactly the description that we see. We're looking at the end of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 down through verse 33. And there, the writer is painting wisdom as a woman who is standing or really going through the streets of the city, yelling and calling to anyone who will listen, causing quite a commotion. And I want us to listen to what the commotion is all about as we read from God's Word this morning. Again, Proverbs chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 20, down through the end of the chapter. Listen to God's Word. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge. 
and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. This ends the reading of God's Word. When we study together, whether we're here in these wisdom books or we're in other parts of Scripture, we need God's help. And that's why we pray and ask Him for help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You and thank You for Your words. They're words that literally beg to be heeded. May You give us grace through Your Spirit to heed them, to hear them, to believe them, to apply them, to reflect them in our lives. Oh Lord, we pray that we will hear the call of wisdom while the call is still available to us. Bless us in our study of Your Word. Help me that I might also be helped by Your Spirit to teach the Word that is written here, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now this is an interesting picture. It's really quite a sensational picture. As the, the father who is teaching this adolescent, this emerging adult, he is teaching him and his daughters and encouraging other parents to do the same with their children. Teaching them what's essential to know as they think about entering into this big world in which they are headed. And how does he teach them? He teaches them in every kind of way through instruction, through cajoling, through admonishing, through pleading. And here he uses a word picture. The picture of a woman that is going through the streets, yelling and pleading for people to listen to her voice. And who is this woman? It is wisdom itself. Wisdom, crying out for those to listen. As we look at this text, I want us to look at three things in this text uh, quickly this morning. One, I want us to see the availability of wisdom. Secondly, I want us to hear the warning of wisdom. And lastly, I want us to see the security of wisdom. All of those we find in this text. First of all, I want us to see the availability of wisdom. First of all, we notice in this text that wisdom is making itself available everywhere and to everyone. Did you notice that? All of the descriptions of the places that wisdom is crying out in the streets, in the markets, uh, at verse 21, the head of the streets, which means uh, sort of where all the traffic comes in uh, together. That would be sort of the public square. Uh, it is everywhere that she's going. And she's crying out. She doesn't want anyone to miss this. And this is important for two reasons. One, many people think wisdom is something that belongs only to a few, or maybe only to just a handful, that really it's only a few people who need wisdom. But here, wisdom is saying, no, everyone needs it. And secondly, we think of wisdom as something that we compartmentalize into one section of our life. For instance, we might think, well, I learn wisdom at home from my parents, or I learn wisdom when I go to to church or to some sort of uh, spiritual activity on campus, or I learn wisdom maybe when I'm in a classroom. And the reality is, no, every sphere is a sphere in which wisdom calls to us. And so that means that everywhere is a place that we can see and learn wisdom, 
but it's also a place where we can reflect it and communicate it to other people. And that's helpful for us. Wisdom is for everyone. It is very democratic. It, it belongs to everyone. And so this is the cry. Secondly, notice that it's not hidden in any way. I think when we think about wisdom, we think about it like that pearl in the oyster. You know, how many do you have to get and how many do you have to shock in order to finally find that precious pearl that has value? You know, you get a lot of slimy oyster and, uh, and the goop of the sea on your hands in the process. That's why, you know, you wear gloves and also so you don't cut your hand open with the oyster knife as well. You know, and we have to work all that hard to find wisdom. And here it's like, no, true wisdom, which again, as he even mentions here in the text, is that begins in the fear of the Lord is not hidden. It's not a secret. It's available to people. You say, well, where, where is it available? Well, it's available right here in God's Word. I don't know about you, but it's amazing in my own life how often I have been struggling to find wisdom and yet never cracked the spine or never looked up the app on my phone or the app on my iPad or the website on my computer or the verses that I memorize, all of them. And it's like, where will I find this wisdom? And then in God's grace, I sit down, you know, you know, have you ever had this experience where you're like, well, I might as well read the Bible, right? And you open it up and you begin to read and you're like, oh. it gives you perspective. It helps you understand. And suddenly you see that wisdom has been there waiting for you all along. But two, I want you to see the love and condescension of wisdom. You see, this is, this is a picture of someone making a fool of themselves. You know, not only screaming out in the streets and, you know, basically acting like someone who's, who's selling a product, you know. I, do you remember malls? I know I have to keep saying these things, but it's like we live in a different era of time. But do you remember malls? I know for you younger people, you may literally not remember them. But uh, if you remember malls and you, and you go down and you, you just wanted to go to one store, you know, you wanted to get that, you know, bankruptcy sale at Nordstrom's or you wanted, you know, you were H&M had a new series and, and you wanted to go and get that, you know, and you were heading through the mall. And as you were going through the mall, there were these people in these kiosks in the middle of the mall. And they seemed very concerned about the softness of your skin, you know, and that somehow there's salt that will help your skin be soft and uh, or whatever other product you know that they might be selling maybe the need for a new cell phone or cell phone case or belt or you know it's amazing all the little kiosks there and they are unashamed they yell out uh, recently my wife and I were down in the holy city in Charleston and uh, when we were down there I was shocked I was heading up a main street you know in the middle of this COVID crisis, and there are two people out determined to put lotion on my hands for some unknown reason. No mask, but you know, and if you go by them, they keep yelling at you. And this is what wisdom is doing. Wisdom is making a fool of herself out. And notice the, the language, you know, that it is uh, uh, in verse 24. I called out, I stretched out my hand, uh, the next verse, you ignored my counsel 
You know, in other words, here's wisdom trying everything she knows to get your attention. Pleading with you. Now, when I grew up, you know, there was a song that we would sing at the end of services uh, that, to be honest, in my young adulthood, I began not to like. You know, and it was, uh, and, and include, included a line about Jesus pleading to you. You know, come home. You know, and uh, it, I think it was softly and tenderly, and I heard it a lot as a kid. And Jesus is pleading you. It's pleading with you. And I thought, man, I don't like that picture. You know, Jesus doesn't plead with me, but yet he does. Why would someone so great and grand, why would wisdom, the embodiment of all things noble and good, why would it be acting this way? Because of love. Love makes you do crazy things. And love will go any distance and will humble itself to any degree in order to gain the beloved. And it's true because we know from Colossians 2, 3 that in Christ is all the hidden treasures of wisdom. That's what Paul says. And how did he act? He left Godhood itself, that eternal cooperative unity in heaven, and he left it and he took on our flesh and became made like us, subject to all of the ailments and the struggles that we have. How far was wisdom willing to go? As far as you can imagine, and then some. And he humbled himself. Why? So that we would hear the message. And what's the message? Wisdom is here pleading with you. Listen. It is pleading out of love. Lastly, secondly, I want us to see the warning of wisdom. You see, that's the, the first part of this sermon is the soft and mushy part. The second part is the hard candy part, right? It is all these warnings. And they kind of hit us like they smack us upside the head just a little bit, don't they? You know, when it goes from, I'm calling, I'm pleading, and then suddenly it is, uh, you know, verse uh, 24, because I've called and you refuse to listen, I've stretched out my hand and no one is heeded. Because you've, you, you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Doesn't that sound like, I mean, that's a little bit of a board upside the head. Because you're like, wait a second. One second you're pleading and begging and you're doing everything you can so they'll listen. The next second, it sounds like you're kind of mean, you know. You know, you wouldn't listen, so fine. Right, that's the tone that sometimes I think we hear, you know. I'll show you, you know, that kind of thing. But is it? Is it? No. You know, yes, this warning includes unmitigated disaster, right? It's like a storm. It's like a whirlwind, you know, distress that comes upon you. I've been through many hurricanes that comes up a lot because how many people can say they've been through five hurricanes, you know? It, yes, I know. People are like, and you stayed there. And I'm like, yes, you stayed there because that's where you live. And so hurricane one, two, three, four, five. And you know what's amazing? It is crazy. You know, stuff is not where you left it. 
You know, things get moved around, trees get up planted, houses end up in the street. It's like that. And wisdom says, listen, if you ignore what I have to say, that's going to be what your life is like. It's going to be chaos. Nothing is going to be where it's supposed to be. Things are going to be out of place. Don't we ever feel like that? And there's certainly small windows of time in our lives where we've ignored wisdom. And it seems like our lives kind of get disheveled. It's like, why does it seem nothing in my life is working? Why, why is nothing going the way it should go? And wisdom is here saying it's because you're ignoring wisdom. That, that this unmitigated disaster comes along. It says in verse 28, there's not going to be help when you look for it. It's a reversal, isn't it? You know, it's fascinating in verse 24, it says, I called and you refused to listen. And then we look down uh, to verse 28 and it reverses. They will be calling, but wisdom no longer listens. In other words, what it's saying is that there is a moment, there is a time to heed and listen, and there is a time where that opportunity will have been passed. And that's hard for us to hear. You know, it is hard for us to hear. But let's think about it one more step. He says that you, verse 31, will ultimately get exactly what you wanted. Verse 31 says, Therefore they shall eat of the fruit of their way, and they shall have their fill of their own devices. And this is important for us when we think about these warnings. What is the essence of what wisdom is warning? Be careful, or you'll get exactly what you want. That's essentially what wisdom is saying. Be careful. If you ignore wisdom, you're going to get exactly what you want, and it's going to bring this unmitigated disaster. And then when you ask for help, you won't be able to get it. Why? Because you ran headlong toward exactly what you wanted. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, uh, English uh, literary critic, really, and uh, a Christian writer of the late 19th century, you know, he wrote that in many ways, judgment is God saying to people, your will be done. It's God allowing people to have exactly what they've always wanted, which is what? To have nothing to do with God. That at the end of the day, judgment is God giving people exactly what they want. The problem is when they receive the full implication of that, they no longer want it. But here wisdom is saying, listen, when you're in the disaster, when the hurricane has hit, just remember, it's exactly what you wanted all along. That it is the fruit. It is the fruit of your way. It is the fill of your own devices. What does that mean? Verse 32 is so helpful to me. It means that today really matters. Verse 32, it says, For the simple are killed by turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. That, that sounds so, so small a thing, doesn't it? That you're destroyed, you're killed by turning away, you're destroyed by complacency? I mean, that sounds harsh, right? Just by turning away, by being complacent, all of this, all of this disaster can come upon you? And what is that saying? It's saying this life is a gift that God has given us. What we do with it matters. Now, I think we understand that in non-personal ways. Uh, for instance, right now, 
you know, in our world, I, even though maybe it's gotten the second headline instead of the first headline right now, we have uh, a people who are very concerned about what we're doing to the earth as a whole, right? That's why we want to recycle. That's why we want to be careful about our emissions. That's why we want to support products that aren't uh, doing things to strip the earth or polluting the air and all of that. And that is so good because this is the earth in which we live and we want to steward it in such a way that it stays livable and that not only us, but other creatures can enjoy it, right? And so that just makes sense. And what is the message of that campaign all the time? That it's the small things that make a big difference. Taking a bike to work instead of driving your car. Doing mass transit back when we could do that. You know, uh, making sure that we're recycling. Those small things, if added up, make a big difference. And you say, why? It's such a small thing. And you say, yes, but what you do matters. Uh, we just drove through the Smokies uh, this week, and it was fun. And I didn't see him until the very end. And just as I was driving out, I saw my old friend, Smokey the Bear. Now, if you're too young to know who Smokey the Bear is, Smokey the Bear is sort of the mascot of uh, the, the American Park Service when it comes to forest fires. And he, he's always telling you to douse your campfire and do all those sorts of things. And it's basically a bear in a ranger outfit, you know, and, uh, which is very cute. And it, it appeals to kids and all of that, you know. And what Smokey says is you make a difference. You know, your choices make a big difference. And isn't that all that wisdom is saying? This life is a precious gift. Be careful with the choices you make in it. The choices you make in this life matter, not just for this life, but for all eternity. And isn't that the Christian message in general? That the reason why we take this stuff seriously, the reason why we give up our time and our energy and our resources, why do we do this? Because it matters. Because this world is not all there is, but the choices we make in this world make a difference for all eternity. That's what the writer is trying to say. I want us to understand these warnings in perspective. The, the father here is writing this story about wisdom and this dialogue that's happening and this turning away from the fools when they've ignored her counsel and her pleading because it's a warning. Why in the world do you give deathly warnings to people? To try to get them to change their behavior. Now, all of us were children at some point, right? Uh, I had a dream last night. I was 24 again. Uh, I don't, you know, that would be great, you know, and, uh, and I was back at college and all was good. And, uh, you know, when I was that age, I got plenty of warnings, you know, and I got warnings about how I, uh, uh, you know, I did things physically, about how I drove my car, don't drive too fast, about buckling my seatbelt. I got warnings, and almost all of them came with some sort of threat, like, or you'll kill yourself. That was generally the threat. I mean, really, you can't get a higher threat than you will kill yourself, right? You know, make sure, you know, don't smoke because it'll kill you. You know, don't drive too fast because it'll kill you. You know, make sure to put on your seatbelt because you don't want to be killed or paralyzed. You know, that's a step down from killing you, I guess. You know, make sure to eat your vegetables so you don't die. You know, it seems like I mean, really, parents threaten their children with death explicitly or implicitly constantly throughout their life. Isn't that true? You know, 
And we were all threatened with death, some more directly than others, right? And why would a parent threaten a child whom they love with death? Because they want them to avoid something. Because it's serious and they want them to pay attention. And that's exactly why the Bible does. I think too often modern people come to the Bible and they hear these warnings and they say, oh, I just don't like that. So that's so negative. I'm like, no, that's a big giant yellow caution sign that says, pay attention. I love you. I don't want to see bad things happen to you. So when you see these terrible warnings and these terrible stories, you say, wait, that's not written just to give me some story about something terrible that happened. It's trying to wake me up that there are consequences to my choices, which is exactly what it's there for. But lastly, I want us to look at the security of wisdom. Let's end on a good note. In verse 23 and verse 33, uh, we see about how wisdom offers something amazing. In verse 23, it says that uh, if um, you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make my words known to you. Now, that word for turn is the same word we get repent from. And it's a rather physical word. It means actually turn around. Instead of going this way, you now are going that way. He says, if you would turn, then you would have my spirit. Now, that Hebrew word for spirit is the word ruha, which can mean spirit. It can mean uh, breath. It can mean wind. It can mean word. It's a very, it depends on the context. And here the translators have said that here it probably means spirit. But either way, it means that more of my truth, more wisdom will be poured out to you if you listen. If you turn from folly and you listen to wisdom, if you turn from worldviews that do not begin with the fear of the Lord, and you turn back to a worldview that says the beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. You know, this is what he's saying. If you do that, then you'll be filled with wisdom. And lastly, he says you will have security. Verse 33, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. In other words, you want it not to be afraid of the whirlwind, and the hurricane, and all the disaster, then just listen. That's, that's what wisdom is saying. Just listen. Listen. And then you avoid it all. And not only that, you not only escape judgment, you now have security. And that's different than just escaping judgment. Have you ever had one of those near-miss moments? You know, you're driving down the highway. You know, you don't see something in the middle of the road till the last second. You move the wheel maybe a little bit too much. You feel the car start to move underneath you. And you're like, oh, and that, you know, in that moment, you can see the ambulance coming and everything else. You know, your adrenaline hits the roof, you know, and then you pull out of it and you just keep driving like nothing happened. And you're like, wow, that's great. But of course, you're still doing 70 miles an hour. So anything could happen at any time. This is, no, all of the danger is gone. There is security. Now, how can we understand that? Well, to understand that, we have to understand true wisdom. As I've already mentioned, Colossians 2.3 says, true wisdom is Jesus Christ. He is the, uh, he is, uh, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Jesus comes and he cries out to us in a very similar way. I want us to look at a place where Jesus says something very similar here to what wisdom says. In Matthew, uh, excuse me, Matthew uh, chapter 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has taught all these amazing things. And then at the end of it, in uh, 724, this is what Jesus says to all the people who are listening to him. 
He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell, and great was the fall of it. See, we don't often realize, I think we ignore the fact that Jesus threatened people all the time. You hear what he's saying? If you don't listen to me, the whirlwind and destruction is going to be your story. He says, but if you listen, now he starts with the positive, and then he gives the warning. He did it the opposite way that wisdom does here at the end of Proverbs chapter 1, but it's the same message, isn't it? Listen to wisdom. And Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. He says, listen to my words. And you not only will escape the judgment, you'll have a solid house. Does that mean that bad things won't happen to you? Of course not. But it means that you will have a confidence and a surety even in the crisis. There was one hurricane that came by. Uh, and my family still tells the story to this day because they got the, the short end of the stick. But uh, this hurricane came by. And uh, my, my wife and two children went down to, to my wife's mother's house, which was a fine place to be, but they had put metal shutters up on their house when the storm passed by. Now, if you've ever been in a house with metal shutters, when the storm passes over, those shutters rattle and bang against the house like a thousand thieves trying to break in at the same time. And it is an unnerving experience. Me, I chose to hang out with one of the elders of our church in Florida. And he had just built his house with impact-resistant glass. So he didn't need any shutters. And so we sat, we, we went outside in the middle of the eye of the hurricane. We saw it come, we saw it go. We sat out and watched it come and watched it go. We enjoyed a refreshing beverage. We had a nice conversation. And what is the difference? The same storm happened. But the experience of the storm was completely different. In one, there was only nervousness and fear of destruction. And the other, there was calm and enjoyment, in, even in the storm. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you listen to my words, even in the storm, there is security. It's why we sang earlier in this service uh, that new song, that Christ is my only hope in life and death. Even in the worst, he's still my confidence because in him is the sure place. And this is what wisdom is crying out. There is this opportunity for surety. How do we have that? By putting our trust in Christ, by listening to his word. But of course, listening to his word doesn't just mean to listen to what he teaches. It's to listen to what he teaches about himself. What Jesus says about himself is, is that he's God who's come in the flesh and that he came in order to rescue people from sin. He said, that's my life mission, to seek and save the lost. And he does this, how? By living a perfect life and at the end of that life, dying on a cross to pay the penalty for sin. And at the end of three days after he was killed, he rose from the grave to show that he had conquered sin and death so that he can bring victory to those who believe in him. That's listening to his words. Listening to his words is putting our faith or our trust in him. And then we'll have a place 
of security. We will dwell secure. We will be at ease without the dread of disaster. The disaster may come, but we don't dread it because we know we are secure in Him. That is what wisdom brings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You. We thank You for how good You are to us and pray even now that as we finish this time of considering the call and warning of wisdom, that we will heed it. That we will not be the one who puts it off and says, maybe another day. But that we will, we will listen and respond today. This is the day. We don't know. In the future, our hearts could grow harder or crustier. And when the wisdom offer is given, we won't be able to respond. Oh, Lord, may we respond when there's still opportunity. May we respond even now as we come to this table, as we come again and say, I will depend upon your word, Lord Jesus, O oh, great wisdom, and not upon my own or the wisdom of the world, but only upon you. Give us grace even as we come together to lean again into your perfect grace and wisdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.